I'm so grateful you're here. Let me ask you a question. Um, how close is too close? Some of you have a proximity alert that goes off when somebody gets too close to you, just, just physical proximity, you know what I mean? They, they say that one and a half feet is my bubble, don't come in it, and then the appropriate distance for you to talk to me is four feet, and then from six to 24 feet is the appropriate distance for public. Would you, would you agree with that? Here's kind of a general rule of thumb I heard somebody say one time, if you exhale and my hair moves, you're too close to me. <laughs> A guy said the other day, he said, you know what, my, my friend told me that I make things really uncomfortable. I said, really? What happened after that? He said, I don't know. He said, uh, it ruined our nap we were taking together. So <laughs> if you didn't catch that, it'll bounce off the wall and come back to you. How close is too close? Some of you, you have that proximity alert. But then, then there's, there's another type of proximity. There's another type of close. And that's the proximity in life. When you think about uh, you being a, a good parent to your child, you need to be close. You need to be there. You don't need to be absent. You need to be uh, in close proximity in life in such a way that your life begins to affect them. Would you agree to that? There are people in your life that God wants to influence through you, and you may have everything inside of you to be a good Christian, for your walk with Christ to go forward. You may be one with God. But the primary mission that you are here for is not just to take God in for yourself, but to influence other people for Him. And it's impossible to do that unless we have something called close proximity with unbelievers in our lives. That's the only way that you affect them. Did you, would you, do you understand what I'm saying? And so we have to understand what it is that Jesus actually called us to do while we're here. And so we're in this series. This is week two. It's called Chain Reaction. And it's this idea that God could do literally everything that he needs to do. He could reach everybody that he needs to reach by himself. But he chooses to include us in the efforts that have the most significance to him because he loves us and he wants to be included uh, with us in that. And he also understands the value that we have whenever we develop relationships like this. And the reason he understands that is because he created this value. And so he chooses to do uh, for us to be a part of the thing that's most important to him. And so what's this mission that he has? What, what is it? Well, in, in Luke chapter 19, he tells us, he says, I, the son of man, I came to seek and save the lost. He has this mission. And then guess what he did? He passed it on to us. Right before he goes back into heaven in, in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, he says this. He says, therefore, go... Make disciples. Go, do the thing that I was doing. Go, make disciples. Now, does that sound like a suggestion to you? It's a command. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, if this is a commandment, if this is what we're supposed to be doing, and the only way to do this is get in close proximity with people, then why don't we do it? I just got all up in your grits right out of the gate. What, I'm asking myself, what, why don't we do it? Because it's easy to leave our neighbors and go about our business and come back and never really know them, people that are right next to us. Why, why is it that we don't put a priority on doing what Jesus did and, more importantly, doing what Jesus told us to do? And, and, and this is why I want this to rip right through your heart. It ripped me apart. I think it's because we look at uh, sharing our faith as a good option, but we don't see it as a command. We see it as something that's icing on the cake in our Christian walk if we happen to do it. And we don't see it as something that literally Jesus, when he said, all authority has been given to me, therefore I'm telling you, go and make disciples. Last thing he said before he left. 
And we don't see it as this command. And you may say, well, how, how am I supposed to reach people? What am I supposed to do? Where are these people at? How am I supposed to find them? Did you know that, and this is the truth, the statistics say that uh, there's over 70,000 people right here in Wayne County alone that say they've never been a part of a church. That number is staggering. And if you think about the, the three locations that we have in Princeton and Mount Olive and the driving distance, if you, you spread that, that uh, perimeter out, there's over 400,000 people that are in driving distance of one of the bridge locations that have never darkened the doors of a church, according to statistics. There, there are people everywhere. The mission field literally is all around you to carry out this commission that Jesus gave us. And there are great things that happen when people go overseas. Uh, my lovely wife has been a missionary in the past and been to all kinds of different countries. I looked at her passport one time, and I'm like, whoa. I mean, she's been everywhere, and maybe that's your passion too. But I'm telling you, that's not the only mission that there is. There, there's people literally all around you, and when he said, this is the command I give you, go and make disciples, I've come to seek and save the lost, and now I want you to go and do the same thing. There are people all around you. I, I want you to, to memorize a formula I'm getting ready to give you. If you didn't catch it last week, here it is. High potency plus close proximity plus clear communication equals maximum impact. Now, last week we talked about what it means to be a highly potent Christian, understanding this concept and this command that we have to go out and make disciples and, and have everything in us ready to be able to share our faith, highly potent. And today we're going to be talking about what it means to take that and actually be in close proximity. You can't have one without the other and, and affect someone uh, for, for the Lord. Jesus called us to be salt and light. You remember that? Maybe you've heard the phrase. Salt what does what? It seasons things. It makes everything around it better. Light does what? It, it shines and, and lets us be able to see. But salt can only be effective when it touches something that you're going to eat. Light can only be effective when it's introduced to the darkness. So being highly potent isn't enough. Having a great relationship with Jesus isn't enough. You actually have to be in close proximity with people. And we don't do that out of habit. In fact, we are rabbit hole Christians by nature. You know what that means? That means we go into our little hole called our house, and we come out long enough to go to work, to church, church activities, and then right back into our hole. And the people around us, that's all they see us doing is out and about, going to different things, going to different church activities, going to hang out with other Christians, and then right back in. And we start viewing, if we're not careful, people that don't believe like we do, uh, we'll start to see them as a threat to our Christian walk rather than opportunities to do this command that God gave us. Am I talking to you today? Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you because I'm talking to myself. Ryan Barbado uh, breathes air and is a human being just like you. So when, I, when I'm saying this stuff, I'm talking to me. I'm talking to us as the church. Instead of seeing opportunity to fulfill God's command, we see a threat. In fact, some of us, <laughs> we've gotten really good at avoiding people. Did you know that you can shop online at Walmart and somebody does all your shopping for you and you pull up and never have to get out of your car? <laughs> What a convenience that is. I'm telling you what. Uh, I saw the other day uh, where you can actually subscribe to a service to pre-order your meals for the week, and it show up to your door in a box. Now, that's convenient, but between that and Amazon and those other, I don't, well, you never even have to leave your house. I mean, you never have to even leave your house. But Jesus said this, I've come to seek out and save those who are lost. And then when he went back to heaven, he said, uh, he said you have to do the same thing. I want you to understand that this is a command. He said, I, I, we have to get in close proximity to do this. But go and make disciples. 
I want to tell you a story about a man. He's actually a tax collector. His name was Zacchaeus in the New Testament. Say Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. We'll call him Zach for short, right? And in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 4, it says, Jesus, he was entering this town called Jericho, and he was passing through. Now, every time Jesus would go anywhere, large crowds would follow him, okay? And there was a man there uh, by the name of Zacchaeus, Zach, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy, So I want to give you the context here. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, and that meant people didn't like him. And you can probably understand this, because right about now, you're probably either thinking about doing your taxes or you've done them, and nobody wants to give their money to the IRS. (laughs) Nobody does. Uh, And it was even worse back then, because at this time in uh, Israeli history, the Roman Empire had come and taken over Israel. So they were oppressing them. And so they hired these Jewish tax collectors to go around and take up taxes for Rome. And so they were viewed as traitors. You got your your brethren, right, that are coming around taking up taxes for the people that are oppressing you. And on top of that, tax collectors, they would overcharge. They would take up the taxes for Rome, uh, and then they would charge extra and pocket it. And so that's why a lot of them were so rich. And because the scriptures say that Zacchaeus was wealthy, that's a good indication that that's what he was doing. He was ripping people off. So I just want you to know what kind of person Zacchaeus is. Okay, so Jesus is walking through town. And verse 3 says, Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And so just get the picture. Jesus is coming through town. This huge crowd of people are around him. And a man who's living far from God, making a living off of ripping people off, he runs ahead of the crowd to try to climb a tree to get high enough so that when Jesus walks by, he can see him. Now, Jesus has a choice here, too. He can, he can walk right by him and ignore him, or he can get into his grits. He can, he can get in close proximity with this man named Zacchaeus. And so there's four things I want you to do when it comes to getting in close proximity with people to share your faith. And we're going to look at this story. And the first thing is this. I want you to understand that just because someone isn't like Jesus, it doesn't mean they don't like him. That might sound weird, but I want to say it again. Just because someone isn't like Jesus, it doesn't mean they don't like him. I think the majority of people that you know who aren't living their lives for Jesus, they don't have a problem with Jesus. And they're actually open to hearing about Jesus. They just don't want to be looked down on by you. Can you hear me? The majority of people that are living far from God, who who aren't claiming to live a life for Jesus, the majority of them, they don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with other people looking down on them. (laughs) And so just because they're not living like Jesus doesn't mean that they don't like him. Zacchaeus didn't live for Jesus. He was a lying crook. He cheated people badly, but he still thought Jesus was interesting enough to run ahead and climb a tree for and get a glimpse of him. He was interested. He wanted to know about him. And there's people in your life the same way. They might not be like Jesus, but that doesn't necessarily mean they don't like him and that they're closed off to talking about him. There were curious people back in the day when Jesus would go around. They wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to know about him. They wanted to hear about him. They'd heard about his miracles. They'd heard that he healed people. Uh, And it happened uh, all on uh, the time frame that Jesus was here on earth. And that's why he'd often have huge crowds following him. Hundreds of people, sometimes even thousands of people coming to hear him at one time. And he drew all kinds of people, not just religious people. They, they, were, they were tax collectors. They were all these other type of people. They were, they were prostitutes at times. Uh, they were regular fishermen, and they were farmers. They were all kinds of people. Of course, they were wealthy beggars, and sometimes uh, even the religious people would, would come around. But 
they wanted to be around Jesus because Jesus didn't treat them like he was judging them. He treated them like he valued them, even if they didn't live like him. And he drew Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus wanted to know. So I want you to ask yourself the question, do I live in such a way that people are drawn to the hope that I have? Even if they don't live like Christ, even if they, they live a different life than me, are they drawn to the hope that I have and are they willing to go out of their way to get it? Or am I living life in such a way that they want to have nothing to do with me or my message because of the way that I live? Jesus didn't do that. In fact, he, he, he sought people out. They don't have to be like Jesus in order to be curious about him and to be open to his message. The second thing that Jesus did is he created proximity with a purpose, and that's what we have to do. We have to understand that people are, in fact, open to the message. They're open to hearing about Jesus, and then we have to create proximity with a purpose. Don't just get close to people. Don't just get up in their face. Don't just shout, a, shout how wrong they are and how they need to change. Get close with a purpose. Have a reason. When Jesus saw Zacchaeus in the tree, Jesus had a purpose in mind, and we're going to talk about what he did in a minute. But that day, Jesus knew what he was going to do. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus knew about Jesus. And Jesus could have done lots of things, but this is what the verse says in, in verse 5. It says that when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, he sees Zacchaeus in the tree, Zacchaeus, come on down immediately. It's like Bob Barker almost, right? Come on down. I must stay at your house today. Now think about what that made, a, made, made him feel like. Oh, my goodness, what, what's happening right, right now? Is he talking to me? I mean, I, I wasn't even able to get close to him because of the people. I had to climb a tree, and now out of all the people, he's, he's picked me. But look at what Zacchaeus does. So he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. Now, did Jesus say, Zacchaeus, you're living a horrible life. Change, and we'll be friends. I mean, he, he, he could have shouted at him from the ground into the tree and then went on about his business. Zacchaeus didn't have a role model lifestyle. In fact, he was looked at as a crook. He, he offered no moral standard to Jesus. But Jesus stopped, and he called him by name. He didn't leave him in the tree. He didn't call him down and just shake his hand for a minute. He went to his house. He, he got close enough to him in life, in close proximity, and the reason was because Jesus wanted Zacchaeus to see something in him that he couldn't see from the tree. He, he wanted him to see something that, that was close, and sometimes the only way that people see Jesus in you is for you to live your life in close proximity with them long enough to where situations come up and they can see the character of Jesus inside of you. You have to spend enough time with them in life so that situations can pop up, conversations can pop up, and so you'll be affected and they'll get to see how you respond. They'll get to see how you feel about certain things. More importantly, they'll get to see the Holy Spirit at work in your life. There, there, there's something in the Bible called the fruits of the Spirit. And what that means is, is if the Holy Spirit is working on the inside of you and you are allowing him to change you, then all of a sudden something begins to happen. You start to produce love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And all of those things begin to come out of you as situations come up. But if you don't ever spend enough time in life with unbelievers, they never see those things. Because anybody can fake a 10-minute conversation, and that's what we typically do with people that don't believe like us. We'll say hey to them, we'll be nice to them, we'll shake hands, we'll fake the conversation. But they're not necessarily affected by what you think you know about God. You know what they're affected by? When they start to take notice and see the result of God working in your life. And you're different than them and you're different than other people. And the only way to do that is to create this, this close proximity and spend enough time with them 
that things come up, conversations come up, situations arise, and they see the character of Jesus shine through you. That's why Jesus didn't shake Zacchaeus' hand and move on. That's why he didn't just say, bless you in, in my name. He said, we're going to spend time together. And, and there are those who, in your life, who are open to you and your faith. There are acquaintances you have. They're open to you. They like you, and they're open to hearing about God. And then there's other people in your life. They're open to you because they like you, but they don't want to hear about your faith. You know what I mean? And you may know some people like that. And so the, what you have to do, if, if people are open to your faith, then share your faith. First Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, and always, say always, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the faith and the hope that you have. In other words, people will ask you this. They're open to you. They're open to you, and they're open to your faith, and they'll begin to ask you, and you have to be ready with a reason. And then there's sometimes there are people in your life who are open to you because they like you, but they don't, want to, they don't want to hear about your faith. So what does that mean? That means you have to get in close proximity with them, and you have to live with them in such a way that they begin to see there's difference in you. And at some point, they are going to, they are going to look at you. They are going to see the character in you. And until that verse becomes applicable to you, you live in close proximity. And at some point, they'll ask you, why do you act that way? Why are you so different? What, what is it about you? You create proximity with a purpose. And if you don't do that, they're never going to have the opportunity to see it. And that takes intentionality. That You have to do it. When we don't do this, when we don't create proximity with a purpose, uh, and we live closed off to unbelievers, we, we think we're just doing everybody a favor, but in fact what we're doing is we're, we're creating a roadblock uh, for, for them to see Christ. Instead of creating a pathway, we're actually blocking the way. Zacchaeus had to climb a tree, and yes, he was short. The Bible says that, but did you know that there were also lots of other people, some people that believed in Jesus all around them, and they didn't help Zacchaeus to the front of the line? They blocked the way. They were so interested in, in, in Jesus and only Jesus and their relationship with Jesus that they completely missed maybe some of the other people around. In other words, people weren't helping him see Jesus. They were actually in the way. And sometimes I think that's what we do. We, we get so focused on our own relationship with God and our own daily thing that we do that we actually block the way to Christ because we're not even focused on unbelievers. In fact, some of us have made a life mantra about staying away from people like that. Staying away from unbelievers. No, I, I can't go shoot hoops with you because, you know what, the guys cuss too much on the basketball court. And I'm a Christian. And I'm, I'm just not going to be around that. Or, hey, I, I don't shop at that store because I don't like the at attitude that the cashier has. And I'm a Christian. And so I'm just going to avoid that person altogether. Sorry, I can't invite you to my house because, you know what, you're not a Christian. And, and, and I'll get into a shallow conversation with you, and we'll talk about sports or whatever. Um, but, you know, we're not going to go any deeper than that unless you want to talk about the latest Elevation song. Then we'll talk about that. But if you're not willing to do that, then somehow I, I, can't, I can't associate with you. fact is we don't feel comfortable around unbelievers because we've lost the sight of the mission that Jesus gave us to reach them. And I would be willing to say this, they're not the weird ones, we're the weird ones, if we have that attitude. Because how can we claim to be something and claim to serve a God that told us to do the exact opposite of what we're doing? Isn't that weird? We're claiming one thing, but we're doing something else. We're claiming to serve Christ and live for Christ, but we're ignoring the command, by the way, not an option, the command that he gave us. The last thing that he said, the most important thing that he said, I've done all this and now I want you to take the mantle and run with it. 
and we drop it and run the other way and live this pseudo kind of a facade of a Christian life, making sure we're good with God. And as long as everybody agrees and believes like we do, we'll gather in a room like this, but completely ignore and look at it as an option, the command to go out and reach people, to live in close proximity with people. I actually heard a story where, where two guys were standing outside of a, in a driveway, and one's a believer and one's not, and they're in the, the driveway of the believer, and they get into this discussion about God, and the one guy's trying to witness to him. And, and this is a true story, <laughs> and this is what the believer says, because the other guy wasn't having it. He said, well, if you don't love Jesus, you can get the bleep out of my driveway. And that's funny, but that, that is ridiculous. That is so horrible. We're, we're not helping people see Jesus by keeping them at a distance. We're blocking the way. And I want to ask you, is your attitude towards lost people helping them find a Savior or getting in the way of them finding Him? We have to stop disassociating ourselves with non-Christians. And now listen, I'm not saying condone behavior that's sinful. I'm not saying get into some relationship where they're actually influencing you instead of the other way around. I'm saying create close proximity with the purpose of letting your life be a light to them. And you have to know how to do that. Now, as you do this, you need to, you need to do the third thing, and that's this. Be prepared to be criticized by religious people because it will happen. Religious people, people that have this, this staunch view of, of, of religion and this self-righteous attitude, they don't like sinners uh, mingling with them and with other people that are like them because they feel like they're going to mess up their perfect life. And, and they'll, they'll criticize you for it. When Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, listen, verse 7 says this, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. He's gone to be with a guest that's nothing. Why would he do that? Religious people will criticize you. And this wasn't the first time that Jesus was criticized for doing something like this. There was another tax collector named Levi. Say Levi. Later his name was changed to Matthew. Jesus called him and said, follow me. Levi was in the tax booth doing the tax thing, doing the, the cheating thing. And Jesus walked up to him and didn't say, look, Levi, you need to do, stop doing that and do this. You need to, here's the top 10. Here's the, here's the first three. Do these things and I'll come back tomorrow and see how you are. No, he went to him and said two words, follow me. The Bible says that he, immediately he got up and he went. And Levi was so excited, he invites Jesus to his house to have dinner. And Jesus goes. And Matthew chapter 9, verse 10 through 12 says, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. You want to know why? Because that's all that Levi knew. <laughs> he didn't have any other friends. He was a tax collector. He was living that lifestyle, and that was his crowd. And they wanted to come see what was up with Levi. And so many tax collectors, many other, they came to eat with Jesus. Verse 12 says, on hearing this, or, or excuse me, then the, the Pharisees, verse 11, these are the religious crowd of the day. They asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They couldn't get it. They don't understand why Jesus had to go associate with people that didn't believe that, people that weren't living. Like, like they were. People that weren't living this, this, righteous, this righteous way. And so they separated them. They wanted to know why Jesus didn't do that. And Jesus said, listen, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. It's sick people. Um, Pastor Andrew Price said he was at the doctor uh, a, a little while back, and the waiting room was about half full, and he went in, and uh, nothing was happening. 
nothing happened. There was literally 20 minutes go by, nothing happened. 30 minutes go by, an hour goes by, and the waiting room is, is, is jammed by this time. It's full. And he goes up to the counter, and he says, what's, what's going on? And they said, well, the doctor's stuck in surgery, and he's, he's getting here as fast as he can, but the doctor's not here. And he thought, you know what? A doctor's office without a doctor is pretty useless, isn't it? <laughs> And he says, you know what? A church that's not focused on reaching the lost for Jesus is pretty useless, isn't it? And Jesus says right here, look, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick who need a doctor. And so he got in close proximity with these people, and he asked us to do the same thing. Now, one thing Jesus did when he got into close proximity with unbelievers, and we need to do this too, and I want you to hear me good, is Jesus guarded his heart. And you need to guard your heart because you have to make sure that your involvement in unbelievers' lives is affecting them and their lifestyle is not influencing you. Do you hear me? And that changes things. You may be a brand new Christian, and there are certain environments that you just can't get in because, you know what, you're going to get sucked back in. You need to be discerning about that. You, you, you really do. A fire, if you get close enough to it, can warm you, and it can be good for you. It can actually light the way and provide some good things. If you get too close to it, you can get burned, can't you? It can actually injure you. And, and you need to understand this. Proverbs 13, 20 says that he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Paul reminded us in 1 Corinthians 15, that don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And I like how he starts that with a warning. He said, listen, don't be misled. Don't be fooled. And he says, it can happen to you if you're not discerning. Involve yourself with, with unbelievers. That's, that's part of our mission. He says, but, but you, you can't, that can't be all you hang around. That can't be all you do. I've heard more than twice, well, I'm only dating them because, you know what, they need to change, and I feel like I can be a good example in their life. No, you're not. <laughs> you're making excuses because you think they're hot, and you think you'll change them. Okay, let's, let's just get honest. That, that's what happens. I heard somebody say it like this. If you want to soar with eagles, you can't run with turkeys. You, 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 have, you, you may have heard me teach this before, but there's something called a circle of influence, and then a circle of concern. If you can imagine this circle right here, and you're right in the middle of it, and you surround yourself closely with, with people that you want to influence you, they, these are people that you run to when you need godly advice. These are people that, that you run to and you want to pour into you. These are people who ultimately push you forward in your relationship with God. That's, that's the circle of influence. And then outside of that, so, by the way, be very protective about who you let in there. Wrong influence, whoever's influencing you, that's what's going to be eventually be what you do. That's eventually going to be your behavior. And so you want your circle of influence to be godly people, people who are further along than you, people that can spur you on towards love and good works, as the New Testament says. Outside of that circle, if you can imagine a broader circle, is the circle of concern. Now, the circle of concern are people that we may be close to, they may be people that we're building relationships with and getting in close proximity, but we're not in relationship with them at the deepest level. We, we live with them in such a way that we influence them, not that they influence us. Does that make sense? We want to live in close proximity in order for those people that we have in the circle of concern to know Jesus and so that we can open a door to show them how much that Jesus loves them. And that's why in your Easter invite packet, you got one of the things you have in there is a prayer card. And there are five spaces on, one of those, on that prayer card where you can actually write down five people that you are praying for. Maybe specifically to invite to the Easter service. Do, do, you, do you remember that? And if you don't have an Easter packet, we can get one of those for you today. But I want you to identify five people that you want to invite to Easter Sunday. This, this series is leading up to Easter Sunday. And then we're going to pray for them each, each day, leading up to Easter. 
and just write them in. They're, they're part of that circle of concern. They're not people that we go hang out with on a daily basis. They don't, they don't live for Jesus. But they're people that we live close enough to that they can see Jesus on the inside of us. And if you're in a bridge group, I, I want to encourage you, bridge group leaders and bridge group, take, take, those, uh, take those, those names and put them together and begin praying for them. You're not there to spread anything about people. You're not there to take those names outside your group. But join together and begin praying for them. So what, what could God do if we join together and begin praying for, the, for people that were wanting to come here? On Palm Sunday, um, the week before Easter, we're going to have a big cross up here. And we're going to have a place where you can come and you can write the name or the initial maybe of the person that, that you want to invite. And we're going to take communion that day. And we're, we're going to spend some time. We're just going to pray. It's one last, last push to get people here on Easter. And I, I said this, and I'll say it again. Do not invite your Christian friends to come here on Easter. It sounds kind of harsh, but if they're Christians and they're already a part of a church, then let them go to their church and let them celebrate. I, I want to I leave room. We're having three services that day. And I want there to be room for unbelievers to come, for the people that you're going to invite, for the people that you're praying for that are part of your circle of concern. As a part of that, we're going to fast 21 days. You saw that in the announcement video. Next Sunday is when we're going to start. It's March 31st. We're going to do that through April 20th. Um, what are you supposed to fast? Well, I'm going to leave that up to you, but I'll, I'll tell you this. It's a phrase that I heard a long time ago. I liked it, and I adopted it. If it means something to you, it'll mean something to God. If it means something to you, it'll mean something to God. And so if you go on our app, the Bridge NC app, you'll see a whole article there on fasting and the different kinds of fast and what it means and how you can participate in that. We want you to be a part of it because we're taking very seriously um, giving ourselves to God and giving these names to Him, giving the people that are part of our circle of concern and saying, God, save them. This was your mission, Lord. You gave it to us, and we want to be a part of that. And so, Lord, save them. We're giving these names to you. And then on April 13th, it's a Saturday, from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. is going to be a day of prayer for the Bridge Church. And we're doing it at all of our locations. And Goldsboro, you can, uh, every, every location is doing it. For us at Goldsboro, you can go on the Bridge app and you can sign up for a 30-minute slot. And we're asking that, that you do that. But we want you to be a part of that. And you'll come in, you'll be given a prayer card by one of, one of our senior leaders will be here as a host. And um, you'll have some, some a guided prayer that you'll be able to pray. And you'll be able to just walk around the, the sanctuary or walk around. Or maybe you want to kneel, however you want to do that. But we, wanna, we want everyone to sign up for a time slot because we want that whole 12 hours to be covered in prayer. For the needs of our nation, for the needs of our church, and for the people that we're going to be inviting to Easter service to be able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if you haven't yet done that, I want you to do it. I want you to go online. You can click on events and you can go to our day of prayer and you can sign up for a 30-minute slot. Would you do that? I think if we all do that as a, as a church body and we all do this together, I believe God's going to honor it. And I think he's going to do something amazing through us. And so we need to make sure that, that we do those things. The fourth thing we need to do as we get in close proximity with other people is this. And this is the fun one. And that's prepare to celebrate. Prepare to celebrate. When you know somebody is open to you, when you know somebody is open to hearing about Jesus, and you discipline yourself to, and open up yourself to live in close proximity with somebody, God will empower your efforts. He'll give you opportunities to be able to speak into people's lives with his empowerment. Jesus, he goes to Zacchaeus' house, and he's there with him, and, and people begin to criticize him for going. But verse 8 says this, 
But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, and you can just hear the brokenness here. Here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody else out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. That, Jesus looks at him and says, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And there's our verse. It was right after the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus said, listen, I, this is why I've come is to seek out and save those who are lost. Isn't it amazing, amazing that we're all tempted to earn God? We're all tempted to do something to earn Him. We're all tempted to do something out of our own goodness. But all it took was Jesus getting close. And grace, Zacchaeus seeing something in Him that was different. And Zacchaeus turned his whole life around. What could happen if you understood how valuable your witness was to God? If you understood how valuable you were and how much God could use you and you just got close, just got in close proximity with unbelievers in your life. What could God do? You may think, well, I'm not a theologian or I don't know enough about the Bible or I don't, I'm not, people know too much about my past. Listen, the, I, I, I like it whenever Paul told Timothy, listen, you said, you just get around people. He said, when, when people see and they hear the things you're doing, when they see the results, they'll change their assessment of you. You can't do it. But I'm telling you, when you live in close proximity with people and you're letting God change you on the inside, people will see and they'll hear and they'll see the results and they'll reassess you. And they won't, they won't be drawn to you because of how good you are or because of how much you think you know about the Bible. They'll be drawn to you because the Holy Spirit inside of you is doing something that you couldn't do yourself. Would you be open to doing that? I'm not asking you to go run door to door and be a sales evangelist. Those people are weird and they're, they're, they're obnoxious. I'm saying get outside your box. And I'm saying be open to people and don't shy away from opportunities to live your Jesus-changed life in front of somebody that doesn't know him. That's what I'm saying. Zacchaeus started in a tree. He was just curious about Jesus. He was just trying to get a glimpse of him, living a completely sinful lifestyle. And Jesus could have passed him by. I'm sure there were other people more deserving in the town of Jericho than Zacchaeus was. But because Jesus got close, that's all he did. Before the day was over, his whole household was changed. Church, I would say that, that Jesus was about the most highly potent person when it comes to God around. But that wasn't enough. He got close to the people that he changed. He got close to them. High potency isn't effective without close proximity. And it's no different for us. Next week, we're going to talk about how to be ready to clearly communicate once the opportunity presents itself. Your life's been changed. You've got the right message. You're living out your faith in close proximity to those people who need it. And then there's going to come a time where somebody says, hey, what's up with you being a Christian? I want to put a few tools in your bag for that moment right there. We're going to talk about that next week. But until then, you may say, how do I get started with this whole close proximity thing? How do I, what, what do I do? Listen, two things real quick. One, pray. Pray that God will open up your eyes, open up your spiritual eyes to be sensitive to somebody in front of you in your everyday life that he wants you to be open to. It's amazing how many people are in your path every day that you miss. Ask God to, for, to let you be open to it. You'd be surprised. And once you identify who that is, build a bridge. Don't just say, hey, God told me to get close to you today. You want to hear about Jesus? <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if he tells you to be that bold, then, then be that bold. But more than not, it's, times than not, it's building a bridge. It's caring for people. It's being able to pray for people in your personal time and then care for them. You're not there to preach to them necessarily. You're there to demonstrate that you care. 
You're there to let the Holy Spirit just, just emanate out of you. And it's amazing how many people will open up to you once they realize that you genuinely care about them. I know that there may be some people in the room today that have never done that, and you're a little freaked out by it. And I just want you to know that the Bible says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. I'm not talking about humans, talking about the enemy, which is Satan. He doesn't want you to get close to people. In fact, he may be telling you right now, Pastor Ryan, this all sounds good, but I'm going to walk out of here and I'm going to go back to my rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my, my Christian rabbit hole. Listen, if you're a Christian in the house today, you're, the greatest satisfaction that you'll ever have, you may not be able to see it this side of it, but the greatest satisfaction you'll ever have is serving somebody else and watch their life begin to change because of what God does through you. There's no greater high than that. And so not only does God call us to fulfill the mission that he gave us to continue what he was doing, but he knows that there is a deep-rooted satisfaction and a deep peace and a joy on the other side of that. Would you join me? There may be somebody in the room today that, you know what, you've, you're maybe on the other whole other side of this thing. Maybe you're living far from God and you sense a deep void on the inside of you. And I want, to, I want you to know today that, that Jesus, the same way he felt about Zacchaeus, he feels about you. He knew Zacchaeus and he knows you. He knew Zacchaeus' history and his path. He knew he was a crook. <laughs> I don't know what, what your sin may be, but I can tell you this, Jesus knows it too. And he is just as loving and compassionate towards you as he was Zacchaeus. He wants to get close to you just like he did Zacchaeus. And I wonder if you can feel him inside your heart right now calling you. It's this pull. I don't know how to describe it other than that, but you, but you feel it. And the human part of you wants to resist it. It wants you to white-knuckle the back of the chairs and, and not let go. And what Jesus is saying today is not, hey, come be a religious person. He's saying, I love you. I don't want you to change your personality. I don't want you to change uh, all kinds of weird stuff. He said, I just want you to be close to me. And the byproduct of that will be you being exactly who I created you to be. Would you say yes to him today? Let's pray together. God, those of us that are in the room that are, are saying yes to you for the first time right now or maybe for the first time in a long time, church, if that's you, I, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. God, I need you. Jesus, I've heard this story, and, and I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you really did come to this earth to die for me, to pay a, a sin debt that I couldn't pay. I'm not a perfect human being. I could never be perfect, but I believe that you were, and I believe that you really died for me, and I believe that you rose from the grave by the power of God. That's the kind of God I want to serve. If, if I have some botched view of who you are, God, then show me. But I accept you, and I want to walk this journey with you. I'm not perfect. I'll never be. Not this side of heaven, but I, I trust that you're going to help me. I trust that you're going to show me. And I just I commit to aiming my heart at you and inviting you into my life to have the authority. I believe I'll end up at exactly the places that I need to be. I accept your son who died for me and shed his blood for me. I believe it was for me. And I accept that. Lord, for all of us in the room that are, are we've been living these rabbit hole Christian lives. God, I pray you challenge us. Challenge us first, Lord, not to just go out and find people. Lord, but to first get alone with you and, and, and apologize. Can we just do that right now, church? Just in your heart. God, I'm, I'm sorry for not thinking of others. You, you told us to go out and make disciples. This is what you said do. And if I haven't been doing that, Lord, I apologize for that. It's hard 
to even think about that, especially in our, our self-centered lives that, that we live. But God, there is joy on the other side of that. There is joy in knowing you. There is joy in fulfilling your purpose for my life. And God, challenge me as I, as I go forward. Lord, put the people in our lives that you want to be there, that we can get close to. Lord, there's people in our workplaces. There's people at school. There, there's people all around us. Maybe some of them are even in our own family. Lord, that you have put us there on purpose to be able to see. But Lord, open up our eyes to them this week as we, as we go about our, our daily tasks. Lord, and, and when, when that person comes into our path, I pray you'd quicken us. We want to be sensitive to you. Lord, show up right there. And so that... And then show us what to do <laughs> so that we can get close enough and live in close proximity, Lord, to where you shine through us just in the everyday situations. And when the opportunity presents itself, Lord, help us to be able to share our faith. We do this for your namesake. We want to be obedient to you. We want to be obedient to what you have us do. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Listen to me real quick. If, if you prayed to receive Jesus today, if you prayed that prayer a minute ago, would you be really bold and take a next step? It's real easy to say, well, I prayed that prayer, but I, I don't want to say anything about it because I don't know what's going to happen next. Listen, we want to surround you. There, on, on that connect card that Cassie told you about, there's a place that says, I prayed to receive Christ. Would you check that box? And as you walk out today, drop it off with our ushers. We want to be able to surround you. Not in a weird way. We want to be the church. There may be some questions that you have. There's some next steps that we want to make you aware about, aware of that are available to you. Uh, we don't want you to do this alone. And so would you take, would you take this opportunity and check that box? Uh, maybe you're here today and, and you have a prayer request or you have some of those people that we talked about and you want us to pray for them with you. Um, there's a spot on that connect card that says prayer request. Please pray for me. Please write those out. We, we're here to pray for you. We do every week. Um, maybe you're ready to take a next step to serving or maybe you're interested in being baptized. We do baptisms once a month here. We make that available at least. And so maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is, is ownership and you want to get more connected or, or maybe a bridge group and you've been coming to services, but you're, you're, the question keeps coming up. What, what else is there besides just coming to services? Use that connect card. We want to be a resource to you today. All right? When we leave today, I want you to do this. I want you to get with somebody in your life that God points out to you and commit to be in close proximity. Can we do that? Let's not let this be just a service or a sermon. Let's let it change our lives. Let's go, church. I'll see you next week.